Hi, this is Christian Takushi, your independent microeconomist, coming to you with this episode. Is the West conversion towards China? I think it's a very interesting question. We are beginning the electoral process for the U.S. elections. We have also um, a war raging in Eastern Europe. And in all these discussions, uh, the United States and China are portrayed as opposites, right? It's normal and natural to do it. We are uh, recently portraying ourselves as the very opposite of Russia and the very opposite of China, especially China being our strategic competitor adversary. And one thing I would like to um, convey to you is that we are not really the opposite to China, not to the degree that we think we are. Um, based on our independent research, we have to say that we are moving away from our capitalistic and free speech ideals that we used to have in the West, and we are on, on a convergence trend. We are on a, a path of convergence with China. It sounds harsh. We're still, of course, much freer than China, but we are no longer where we used to be. And this matters a lot. Um, and I will say why. Um, because of the, um, this is not an easy period we're going through. We have, let's say we have so many challenges, but we have five major challenges uh, in the world. Uh, first of all, why this question matters. We are just entering the U.S. electoral pro, pro, um, process for next year's presidential elections in the United States. And you're going to hear a lot about criticisms uh, against capitalism and, um, and many, many other uh, you know, topics where the U.S. is being portrayed as the you know, antithesis to China. And ladies and gentlemen, as an independent economist um, with quite a, a few decades experience, I can tell you that uh, when I left university, the faculty, and I went to work in the banking industry and the investment uh, industry, our Western economies were much freer than what they are today. Uh, when I was a young economist and young banker, we had what I would call um, a capitalistic free market economy with some restrictions, but we had uh, one Today, we no longer have that. What we have today is a, um, a, you know, a, an economy that is characterized by massive state intervention, huge monopolies, and, um, and a frozen financial market. Uh, the, our governments are running or managing the financial markets. So this is not a free market economy, surely not a capitalistic free market economy. And this matters. And, and let me continue to mention the other, the other four. Uh, we've already mentioned why this question matters. We are going into probably one of the most important presidential elections of uh, the post-war era, uh, which will be next year. So this question matters because all the candidates are positioning themselves also in terms of economic model or economic policies that they would like to uh, push forward. The second issue is 
that in a few weeks, the BRICS, the rising emerging nations are bringing or want to bring a gold-backed currency. They want to bring a kind of new gold standard. And if they see this through, if America cannot deter them from doing this, we're going to see in just a month time, the rising emerging economies in the world, in the East and the South, uh, using a new currency that will be backed by gold, while our European American currencies, uh, dollar and euro, pound sterling, etc., are backed by nothing, just debt. Uh, our currencies are actually overprinted, and our systems are not in a very healthy situation. So while our currencies are just mere paper, but, but nothing just uh, loaded on debt, uh, our big competitors will have a currency that uh, that will be backed by gold. Uh, that is quite a challenge to our Western financial system. The third point is war. We have a war raging in Eastern Europe, and um, there's not going to be probably an easy end to this. Uh, we are opening right now a new front in the Far East against China on the issue of Taiwan. And uh, let me tell you this, that um, wars uh, have implications for the economy and inflation. So um, when we go in, when we go to war, we should be not just asking the reasons for um, the, the military and defense and security, but we should also be asking uh, the bigger economic questions. So we have to see the economic context to that. The fourth reason is that our Western economies are facing three massive challenges of our own making. The West, the G7 economies are sitting on a massive, massive debt bubble. We have over-indebted ourselves, you could say. Um, the West is also sitting on massive asset bubbles. So um, our bond, our bond prices, our bond markets are in a bubble. Our stock markets are in a bubble and our housing markets are in a bubble. That's the situation in, in Europe and the United States and in general, Western economies. Whether you go to Australia, New Zealand or Canada, you see that. And the third challenge is, is that we have been printing too much money. Our central banks were forced to print too much money. We have overprinted paper currencies and there is no easy end to this. Actually, these huge bubbles in the West and our overprinting of our paper currencies have led many nations um, to want to join China and China's new uh, gold-backed currency idea, right? Because many developing nations and emerging markets out there in the world are afraid of uh, the collapse of our uh, debt bubbles and asset bubbles and they also are afraid of using too much of our overprinted US dollars or euros. Uh, that's why they want to de-risk and reduce their risk exposure. They want to reduce their exposure to our economies. And this all is leading our central banks to look for a reset. They, they, our central banks will be forced to um, initiate a reset, introduce a new currency, because basically they overprinted our former currencies way too much. And uh, all this may may actually uh, bring a certain amount of capital losses or devaluation for our um, Western uh, 
for our you know western economies and western consumers savers people that have saved money may, may, may lose also part of their savings so the purchasing power of the money in g7 uh, citizens may be reduced um the final the final uh, major problem that we're facing is that our financial markets which normally would signal risk to us our financial markets are nothing to go by our financial markets are on a kind of pilot mode since the year 2010. They do not reflect the realities. The financial market, our stock market does no longer reflect the economic realities of American citizens, of European citizens. Our financial markets are not responding to anything except liquidity. And this is the case since the year 2010. And it's got to do also with the fact that in the year 2010, our governments seized our financial markets. They tried to they took this extreme measure to um, avert a major collapse of the economy and a correction of our um, financial prices, asset prices. And since then, they they actually have our governments have been controlling or managing our interest rates, and de facto by managing our interest rates, they are being also managing our asset prices. This controlled financial market has not, you know, was sustained with zero interest rates all these years for roughly a decade or more than a decade. And as you've probably noticed, interest rates cannot stay that low anymore because now the overprinting of our currencies, paper money, and our new energy policies have brought upon us higher inflation. All these force our central banks to raise interest rates. So now the time of easy money, easy credit is over. How now these are now five major challenges. And as I said, our stock market, financial markets are on a kind of pilot mode. They are not responding nor reflecting the realities of the, you know, of the real economy of normal citizens. They are not re reflecting fundamentals, <laughs> least so actually geopolitical fundamentals. They are simply reflecting excess liquidity. Is there liquidity? If there is enough liquidity, markets are going up. Only if liquidity is choked, markets are losing and or going down. Only in the very, very short term, they are responding to some external factors. But actually, uh, after a few days, they go back to simply responding to excess liquidity or ample liquidity. This is not an ideal situation in a world that is facing multiple challenges and where people are needing some sort of reference or signal or something that guide them. Um, therefore, the question, is the West converging towards China? is a very important question for, for reasons that I just mentioned, but also other reasons that I don't have time to elaborate here. And the answer is yes. Unfortunately, our leading Western economies, the United States and even the EU to some extent, are on a trajectory that if we continue on it will lead us to proximity to china our economic model even political model will mirror more and more the chinese one and what is it well you know china is an economy where the government is a is a mix of capitalism with a plant economy where there is very little freedom of speech, but also where the state is huge. The role of the state is massive in China 
And the role of the monopolies in China is also massive. So China is characterized by some huge corporations, some huge companies, and a huge government. So when you have an economy that is characterized or driven by uh, huge companies and a huge government, um, well, there is very little room for free speech and also for capitalistic free competition. There is some competition in China, and let's put it this way. China is no longer a typical old Soviet-style plant economy. China is now an economy that is actually state-run with a huge role for the government, but also heavily dominated by huge corporations that, of course, are uh, run by the government or in collusion with the government. You cannot be a big corporation in China unless you are in good terms with the government. But what we have in the West is not very far away from that anymore. It's not far away from that. The West used to be a capitalistic free market economy. That's definitely what the US was after World War II. But since the year, since the 1980s, the US is moving away from that. And I would say one of the main reasons for that was the departure from the gold standard, not by itself, but definitely the overprinting of our paper currencies, um, the reduction of interest rates, easy consumption. Um, we have been growing on easy money and lower interest rates and excess availability of credit. And um, it became worse when our governments were forced to seize our financial markets in the year 2010. I think it was necessary, but unfortunately, they didn't retreat. They kept on it. And yeah, uh, it's now 14 years. Something that was meant to last only for 14 weeks is now lasting for 14 years. Uh, so when your financial sector is not free, but managed, micromanaged by the government, the rest of the economy cannot be a capitalist free market. It is not. And this is something that we just have to be aware of. Uh, because we're going to be hearing from presidential candidates in the U.S. about the economy. And you will also hear people criticizing capitalism. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have capitalism anymore. What we have is, uh, unfortunately, um, an, an economy that is um, characterized by massive interventions by the government. So an interventionist economy, some elements of plant economy, and an economy that is dominated by huge monopolies and large oligopolies. Ladies and gentlemen, where oligopolies rule and where a monopoly rules, there is no competition. So how can we have an economy dominated by huge oligopolies and monopolies and talk about competition? If there is no free competition in the key industries, key areas of the economy, we cannot have a capitalistic free market. And this is what I want to say. We should hope and pray for um, the United States to embrace again its, um, its freedom, its love for capitalistic um, uh, thinking, for America to rediscover its love for free markets. Because I believe that if America re-embraces free markets, uh, these monopolies will be split up, will be broken up. Monopolies are too big. Monopolies are dominating too much the world economy. Uh, 
the monopolies have become too big in, in the Western economies. And where monopolies are, we no longer have competition. And I believe that we are now getting used to monopolies everywhere, monopolies in business, monopolies in, in public opinion, monopolies in many areas. I believe that the free competition of ideas, the free competition of products and companies is the best answer to many of the questions and the problems that we have in the world. Now, I'm not a person that is um, against the state or regulation. I believe there is a good there's a good place. There is a place for the state and regulation here in Switzerland. We have a state that I think does its job. Um, our our government, our state takes care of um, uh, healthcare, communications, uh, railways, uh, and many other things. And infrastructure, they're they're in good shape because the government does a good uh, role, does a good job. So. Not everything the government does is bad. I believe there needs to be a good balance between the state and free markets. And this is something that we have lost in the big uh, G7 leading economies in the West. So I hope that um, we will go back to free competition, to capitalism and free markets, but also to a healthier balance between the state and free markets. And that is everything for today. Thank you very much for your kind attention. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this um, this uh, podcast. This is Christian Takushi, your independent macroeconomist. And by the way, if you want to know more about this, I wrote um, a research report on the 22nd of July that was released to the public on the 25th of July, 2023. Uh, you can visit uh, us on geopoliticalresearch.com. Thank you.